Beginning my day with a Bible devotional has absolutely been the best thing I could have ever done for myself. My time in the Old Testament only proves to me again and again and again that the heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all things. When I'm reading the New Testament, I read it within the context of when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in the New Testament is just an expansion of one of those two thoughts. Those are the two lenses I look through when I'm reading the Old or the New Testament. So get a cup of coffee, sit back, and join me as I think with my mouth open. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another episode of Coffee the Bible and Page. I am Page, your caffeine-imbued host. Here's my caffeine, my coffee. And together they all said, in the beginning, coffee and lo, it was very good. Well, today we're continuing our jaunt. We're almost done with 1 Samuel. We got today and tomorrow's chapter. Uh, today in chapter 30, two things are happening. One, we won't read about until tomorrow. Two, we'll read about chapter 30, about what's happening today. David has been dismissed by the Philistines. Uh, the vast majority of the Philistine generals are afraid that David will be a traitor in their midst and help Israel when the big battle comes. And so they sent David away. David's returning to Ziklag, his town that he's been living in. Now, while this is happening, of course, the Philistine army and the Israeli army are meeting in battle and Saul is getting ready to be killed. Sorry, that's a uh, spoiler alert, I know, but um, if you haven't read about it by now, then shame on you. You should have read it about it way before this. But we're going to, before we get to that battle, we're going to talk about what happens with David. Now, David, let's get to the scripture right here. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now, this is a, like a 60 mile march, all right, from where they were to Ziklag. Now, the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. Now, I don't know why they didn't kill all of them because that had been David's practice among their villages. Perhaps they saw a way of, of uh, getting back at David and so they, they took his family and the family of his army, families of his army. Um, I don't know what was in their mind, why they kept them, took them, maybe to enslave them. I'm not sure. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and the wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. This had to have been crushing for David. Um, they gathered around him. They accepted his leadership. And now they're talking about killing him. Um, everything they had was gone. They lost everything. Not just physical possessions, but wives and children. And I can imagine how David must have felt at this moment. Think about this for a second. Timeline. 
David was anointed to be king of Israel when he was about 12 or 13 years of age by Samuel. Then he kills Goliath, the Philistine giant, maybe he's 13 or 14 years of age. Then he's playing harp for Saul. He's in the Saul's uh, um, court, and he's playing. He plays harp for Saul because Saul is starting to lose his mind. And when David plays the harp, it calms him down. And then when David gets to be about 20 years old, he joins the army, becomes a general, and one of Dave, one of Saul's most exciting and successful generals, I might add. As a result, he may, ends up marrying Saul's daughter, Michael. He becomes best friend with Saul's son, Jonathan. So he's on a meteoric rise in the kingdom. And all of a sudden, Saul is trying to pin him to the wall with spears. And it gets to the point where David has to flee for his life. David has to leave his wife, Michael, and his best friend, Jonathan, and flee into the wilderness where he gathers around himself four to 600 rascals and rapscallions that were hiding out, uh, that were outlaws, and he becomes one of them. And in his, he has to continue to flee from Saul. Saul's trying to chase him down. He finally ends up having to go into Philistia itself to escape from Saul and pretend to be a mercenary on behalf of the Philistines. That had to be difficult. So now he comes back and horror of horrors, the worst possible thing that could happen, happened. The people that he'd been warring with captured his wife, his children, and the wives and children of everybody that was in his army. And now his army wants to kill him. That's a pretty precipitous fall from the greatness that he had had just a few years before. David has probably reached the lowest part of his life at this moment. Even his own men want to kill him. But it says here, David found strength in the Lord his God. See, this is one of the reasons I identify with David, not because I think I'm any kind of warrior. I'm so not, and I'm, I'm lousy with a sling. He almost always instinctively turns to God proving that his relationship with the Lord is a very real one and not just words. Um, my wife and I have been married 47 years, 40, almost 47 and a half years. And I think I can safely say that my instinct is to turn to her in times of trouble. Uh, when I lost my job, I lost, uh, that job had a six-figure salary. And I was fired from it. I went from six-figure salary to nothing. Uh, it was a very tumultuous time. And Glenda and I worked together to build ourselves back up to where we are today. But my instinct was to turn to her because my relationship with her had proven to me time and time again that I can depend on her. She always has my back. Even when I do stupid things, which, by the way, is why I lost my job. I did some stupid things. Nothing illegal, mind you, but just stupid. She, I can always count on my wife to have my back. She can always count on me to have hers. And we work together to build our family back up to where it is today. God is like that. 
if you have a relationship with God, your instinct is to turn to Him in times of trouble. In fact, it's times of trouble that winnow out those who are really His followers and those who really aren't. If your first instinct is not to turn to God when you uh, get into trouble, I would think that would be cause for you to look into that. David instinctively turns to God. His own men want to kill him. His wife, wives and his children are gone. His entire city burned to the ground. But David found strength in the Lord his God. All right, let's get back at it. David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, the Lord answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. So David and 600 men with him came to Basor Valley, where some stayed behind. Now 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley, but David and the other 400 continued the pursuit. Now, I'm not surprised they're exhausted. We're talking about 60-mile force march. So he left some behind with supplies, and the majority, 400 of them, pursued the enemy. They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink, food to eat, part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived, for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days, three nights. David asked him, Who do you belong to? Where do you come from? He said, Well, I... I'm an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of, Karathite, of the Karathites, some territory belonging to Judah, and the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag. David asked him, Can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, Swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master, and I will take you down to them. Now, the text doesn't say if that's what actually happened because his personal testimony is that he participated in the raid that killed Ziklag. Remember, it says up here in verse 14, we raided the Negev of the Karathites. So the text doesn't say if David honored his request or not. But regardless, the slave takes him to where the, Zik, where the uh, enemy is camping. So he led David down. And there they were, scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day. And none of them got away, except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and the herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock, saying, This is David's plunder. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow him and were left behind at the Basar Valley. They came out to meet David and they went with him. As David and his men approached, he asked them how they were. But all the evil men and troublemakers among David's followers said, because they did not go out with us, we will not share with them the plunder we recovered. However, each man may take his wife and children and go. Man, that's cold. Fellow warriors, people who had been part of this little army, they were willing to turn their back on them so quickly. 
David replied, No, my brothers, you must not do that with what the Lord has given us. He has protected us. He's telling, look, this isn't your plunder. It's the Lord's plunder. He's protected us and delivered us into our hands, the raiding party that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. David made this a statute, an ordinance for Israel from that day to this. When David reached Ziklag, he sent some of the plunder to the elders of Judah, who were his friends, saying, Here's a gift for you from the plunder of the Lord's enemies. If you remember correctly, David, pretending to be an ally of Achish and the Philistine, from Ziklag was actually fighting against the enemies of Judah, ingratiating himself to the elders of Judah. So he gets back from this little foray. He sends them a gift from the plunder of the Lord's enemies, are his words. He is currying favor with Judah. This might have a very big thing to do with what happened later on because Judah was the part of Israel that first recognized his kingship. Hmm. David goes on to say, or Samuel goes on to say here, David sent it to those who were in Bethel, Ramoth, Negev, and Jatter, those in Arwer, Siphoth, Estamach, and Rechel. Oh, I hate these names. I can't pronounce them. To those in the towns of the Jeremielites and the Kenites, to those in Harma, Borashan, Athak, and Hebron, and to all those and all the other places where he and his men had roamed. So David wasn't totally alone. Um, as he was removed from the presence of the king, Saul, the people in the country took care of them and hid them. And he's telling them, thank you for taking care of me and my people. So David thus ingratiates himself to the elders and the inhabitants of Judah. And even before David, the king-elect, was finished currying favor with the Israelites, living in the south. King Saul has died fighting the Philistines in the north, which is what we're going to talk about in tomorrow's episode. So, yeah, there we are. What can we pull out of this for me? You know, again, when I do these devotionals, I read it, I'm curious about just the facts and the figures and the geography and and the logistics, all this kind of stuff, all this academic stuff fascinates me. But I'm looking more for, uh, God, what can you tell me about me? What can you tell me about something I'm supposed to be doing or thinking? And God, what can I learn about you? Well, my big thing, my big takeaway from this at Dave, is David at possibly his lowest moment in his life up until now. He's fallen from being almost second in command in the king's household to becoming an outlaw, to having to pretend to be a mercenary to the hated Philistines. And David does not love the Philistines. Don't think for a minute he ever did. To now his own men want to kill him. I can't think of a lower low. His wives, both of his wives are gone. They've been captured and now his men want to kill him. I would say this is quite possibly the lowest point 
emotionally in David's life to this point. From a position of high honor in Saul's kingdom to being an outlaw so despicable that even the other outlaws want to kill him. And yet it says, we'll come up here. And yet it says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. You don't, Mike Tyson once said, he's ex-heavyweight champion, he said, everyone has a plan in the ring until they get punched in the mouth. You go in with a plan, and then the minute you get hit, things change. So many of us talk about what we'll do if this happens, or that happens, if this happens, or that happens. In truth, all we're really saying is, this is what I hope I'll do, or this is what I wish I would do. But you don't know what you're going to do until that moment hits. I had never lost a job before I got fired from my last one. I had never entered into bankruptcy before. I had some very judgmental views on people who went into bankruptcy. Um, I viewed them as failures. I viewed them as weak until I had to. I remember the precise moment. My wife and I paid bills. She had a checkbook. I had a checkbook. I asked her how much money she had in her checkbook after she wrote her last check for a bill. And she said, I think I have a dollar thirty-eight or some silly amount like that. She said, What do you have left in yours? I think I have a a buck fifty or some small amount. And I remember closing the checkbooks up and getting recommendations from a friend and went and saw a bankruptcy attorney. Um my attitude towards bankruptcy victims changed. Everything, everybody has a plan until they get get hit in the mouth. But it's in those times of trial that you discover what's really on the inside. It's in those times of trial that you find out what you're really made of and where your foundation truly is. I learned a couple things going through that time period. That was the darkest period in my life. My dad died at the same right in the same period of time. My dad died. I lost my job. Started a company, a video production company, which failed miserably, and then went bankrupt. All within about a six to eight month period. I can easily say that was the darkest time of my life. But what I discovered in the darkest time of my life was that I turned to God instinctively. My wife and I have a relationship for over 47 years. I know that I can turn to her. And I do instinctively. When I lost my job, we worked together to find a solution. She has always had my back. I have always had her back. She knows she can turn to me. I know I can turn to her. And when I went through that experience, that's when I discovered in my heart that I instinctively turned to God, which is what happened, which is what I did. And that's kind of a proof positive of a relationship. If I never turned to God after going through bankruptcy, if I never prayed, if I never sought his will, what would that tell you about me and God? 
if I hadn't turned to my wife for help and shut her out and turned my back on her? What would that tell you about my relationship to my wife? I entered into the darkest place in my life and I found strength in the Lord. I found strength in my wife. David found strength in the Lord. So maybe that's what God's telling me out of all this is that a true believer finds his strength in the Lord. When all the world is crumbling around him, he finds his strength or her strength in the Lord. I hope that's your testimony. I hope that when life punches you in the mouth and all your best laid plans fly away, I hope that it can be said that you find strength in the Lord your God. That's a good place to stop. I'm Paige. Here's my coffee. It's still very good. I'm out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. So, what did you think about today's Bible devotional? Email me and let me know your thoughts at ffog at me.com.